nobody really likes interruptions, and uh, sometimes it's kind of rude to interrupt. I think that we teach our children a lot of times when they begin to think that they're the only one in the room that needs to be heard. Uh, we tell them rather quickly, um, you, you're interrupting, and that's not nice, right? This is what we do. And we try to help people understand that even when they grow up, if they're not careful, uh, some people uh, perhaps may need to be interrupted. Otherwise, they will exhaust you with everything that they know uh, at times. But when we're dealing with interruptions, a lot of times uh, we look at it as being something that's bothering us rather than something that is good. Uh, I was thinking about interruptions and that sometimes uh, cell phones will go off in, in, uh, in, 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 a, in a church where it, we're kind of interrupted and I try not to acknowledge that it's there. Uh, years ago, my wife's phone went off and so I took it and I think I threw it out in the bushes out here. Um, kind of an attitude I had back then. That was a long time ago. I think it was, about, I think it was 1962, I think it did that. No, that was, uh, that was more... That was more like 2002, but, uh, um, but I think it's interesting that sometimes when we get interrupted, we get almost offended, and sometimes we shy back a little bit of, of those particular times. I, I, I felt like it was important for me to interrupt a little bit this morning um, and, and just talk to you, really. Uh, sometimes pastors get to what they get so locked in their sermons, and and boy, you should see my sermon this morning. It's in my tablet in my office. It is set up with poems. It's set up with three points, and they all start with the word S. You should see it. It's so nice. But I, I felt like I needed to go a different direction today and left it in my office on purpose because sometimes I'm willing to go back to what I think I should do, and, and I just left it there on purpose because I really believe God wants me to, to preach to you a message on interruptions. I, I really do. Um, I've been thinking about it this week um, on different situations that have happened, and many of you have heard of those things already. And I was thinking about how that um, Jesus experienced interruptions. Uh, Luke chapter 7, uh, just a few verses, a few chapters later, in verses 36 through 50, the Bible tells us about how that Jesus was having a meal with the Pharisees and and a woman interrupted that particular service. There was a time when Jesus was walking, and um, Jesus was walking, you know, and on the way to go heal somebody. And um, then there was this interruption where a woman grabbed a hold of his garment or touched his garment, and she, he felt virtue uh, flow from him. And uh, I think it's important for us to know that Jesus Christ had these times of interruption. And, um, and how did he deal with them? I want us to read this particular story because this story in the Bible actually gives us an understanding a little bit more of interruptions. Um, maybe I can give you a little bit uh, before I read the story, uh, uh, something that happened to me. Uh, and, and I hate to use personal stories because then it looks like I'm trying to talk about my, you know, it's the pastor's using his platform to tell his story to people. I want to get my story um, out there too. Well, it's good because we're going to give you opportunity to do that. Uh, we're doing our first one today, so pray about that. It's going to be the story of Brother um, Mario Marino. What an incredible story that God has given this young man the ability to preach the Word of God to a full house downstairs today. 
And last week it was so full they had to almost stand up outside of it. And so that's God's working, and I, I don't want to say too much about it because we're on Facebook, but God is working in his life and helping us understand that everybody has a story. But let me just tell you something. I was interrupted, and I didn't really like it at one time in my life, and I was just out of high school. I worked for the summer for Daryl Bridges. I'd milk cows in the morning with him, helped him do whatever he didn't want to do, and then I would actually go down and feed the, the pigs to the south barn, and I would take care of things, and I was just going along really well. Well, I was going to go to Bible college that fall. They bought me a blanket. I still have it from 1979. It's still got some little holes in it. But my blankie means a lot to me. And so uh, I think it's interesting as you think about that time in my life when I was just a young man and thinking about the ministry. And I'm going to go to Bible college. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And so I had it all set. I, I sold my pickup truck that I had bought in Dallas, Texas. I brought it all the way up here. I sold that for $700. That's what it was to pay the bill for me to get in. Uh, $700 and a motorcycle, a 350 Honda. Now, the older ones, they were kind of bigger back then, you know, and they made, they made them a little bit lighter, a little faster nowadays. And so that's what I actually got was the $700 with uh, with enough money to get, to get into school, but then also the motorcycle. And so I was coming up from the farm then on Highway 60. Uh, if you ever follow Highway 60 from Prairie du Chien, you go through Wazika and up around the river, and you come up to Sauk City, and then you come into Madison. And so I was actually living at that time in Poinette with my, with my aunt and uncle, because my mom and dad still lived in Texas at the time. And so I was staying with my grandma, who lived down the road, and I rode that bike like it was like I I was a professional I wasn't and so I began to do wheelies with the motorcycle um, it's a pretty big one and so I had done several of them in front of the A&W in Poinette many of you maybe have been up there I don't know if the A&W is still there or not I think there's a gas station there now but back in the day they had an A&W and so I got done uh, driving my motorcycle, it was nice and hot because I, in order to do a wheelie, you kind of had to rev it up and then pull the clutch a certain way and so on. And so I got all done, and my brother hopped on the back of the motorcycle, and we were, I was doing a wheelie, and he fell off, and then I went straight flying forward with it a little faster than I should have been, and I wiped out in the gravel, and the gravel all dug into my leg on my, on my, on my, on my right side, on the inside of my ankle, and the other side was underneath the engine itself for several minutes, so it burnt from the inside out. And, and, uh, and, and then they picked me up after that happened and put me in a pickup truck, and a drunk man took me to the hospital. Uh, they just waved somebody down and said, you guys got to go to the hospital, so it was, it was faster to do that than have an ambulance come. And so uh, we're, we're flying, you know, from 10 miles from from Poinette to the hospital. I'm telling you the story in detail because I don't know why. But anyway, so we, we get to the hospital and, and they say, you sprained your ankle, you can go home. And so they wrapped it with, a, with a, um, uh, an ace bandage. Uh, and I sat for probably up to, I think, a week and a half as the, as the foot began to deteriorate. And I ended up with gangrene in my left foot. And so I ended up in the hospital. I spent 10 days here in St. Mary's in Madison. And uh, they came in. They said, we're going to remove your ankle, uh, right your ankle, move your foot off and take it away. So it swelled up as big as my knee. I was in a lot of pain, you can imagine. And so I was going to lose my ankle and everything was a mess. But there was people praying. And I can remember back then being kind of out of it. But I had good men coming to see me. My Uncle Mike came to see me back then. They had to wear masks back then. I don't know if they do that today. 
But they had, we, we, had to, we had to wear masks. They had to come into isolation where we had to be careful because they want to get an infection in my leg, right? And, and to get it worse than what it was. Well, you can't get any worse than gangrene anyway. So, uh, so they're thinking, you know, they're going to have to take, take time with this. Ten days went by. Um, the doctor came in about the eighth day and said, for some reason, your body has pushed out all the infection onto the floor. Now, I'm getting kind of graphic here for some of you, but just deal with this just for a second, and we'll get to the point. So I, I go then by, by by mom and dad's car, ate two cheeseburgers on the way, got to St. Mary's at in um, in, in Milwaukee, and I was I spent I spent 52 more days in the burn center in Milwaukee. Now I was going to Bible college, and this happens. Everything was set. 1979, that was my life. I was going to go down there and be with my uncle, and I was going to call to preach, and I believe God wanted to use me in the ministry. And then that happens. It was an interruption in my life. It was a pretty serious interruption. You say, well, it was your own fault, then you shouldn't have been doing wheelies. Yeah. What can I say, brother? I don't know. She's always there. It's like the Holy Spirit. Not this shoulder, my name. And so every day they'd come in and give me shots in my leg to keep the pain down and they had to put me in a whirlpool and soak my foot. You know, the good news was that the infection was being pushed out. I believe it was done through the prayers of God's people because I had some, like, my, my high school uh, teacher at the time of the Christian school came in and saw me. My uncle came in and seen me and so on. That was back in Madison. I got to Milwaukee. It was farther away. But I, could, I, can, I can really see now that the interruptions in my life was God's opportunity to reveal himself to me. And, and I would actually learn more from the experience at St. Mary's than my first year of Bible college that could help me in the ministry in the future. Or, or to help me to persevere when things get confused and get cluttered up a little bit and how am I to respond to them? I wish I knew now, or back then what I know now, because I would have responded with maybe more of a gracious way. And, and, and maybe it would have been better for me to go back with the knowledge I have now. But see, the knowledge I have now is because of the, what happened back then. And, and so I, I just know that God's not done with me yet. And I, I told someone yesterday that my 70s are going to be wonderful. God tarries. I can't wait to get to them. I got to go through my 60s yet, but I'll make it, I hope. And, and to continue to move forward because I really believe, dear friends, God will use you greater in life later on if you just be patient. And, and, and I'll deal with the interruptions. The story that I told you this morning and that, that Alex read to you is an incredible story. Because if we're looking at it in verse number 18, it talks about how that men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with palsy. Now, if you were reading the other account of this, you would see that four born one, it says. And so was talking about the word born doesn't mean that they gave birth to them. It means they carried four 
that, that each one of those men were probably touched by God's grace, that they were probably at one time lost in their sin, and Jesus helped them. And so they took then somebody who needed Jesus Christ, and they were able to pick him up, one on each corner of the cot or corner of the couch, and how every one of them were important, took him and was able to take him to where Jesus was. Now, Jesus is in a meeting, pretty important meeting in a house. And these men said, well, we can't get in the front door because there's too many people. Look at verse number 19. And when they could not find by what way they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch in the midst of with Jesus, or before Jesus. And so if you've been to the Middle East, you know that the concrete steps are always on the outside of the home. For some reason, we do them on the inside, probably because we want to get the snow off them up here. But when we're in the Middle East, you see that a lot of times what they did is made the stairs on the outside, and the roof was the place a lot of times where they, they ate up there, they socialized up there. I've told you before, I was able to hang from a helicopter in Lebanon, and so they build the houses that same way in Beirut. I flew over those homes, and I was saying, look at those people on their roofs. But that was a common thing. So they went to the roof, and they were going to lower this man down through the roof. Interesting, if we think about it, four guys carrying one, and they're going up there, and they're thinking, we're going to take this couch, and we're going to slide it through. So they began to tear off the tiles of the roof, and maybe there was chisels being used, and maybe there was hammers, maybe there was just, if you would, um, wood and hay and whatever up there. I'm not sure exactly what was being done, but I'm certain that before they came through the roof, they knew that somebody was doing something on the roof. And Jesus was well into his message. He was really into what he felt was necessary for that day, and all of a sudden there was an interruption. It's interesting that as they lowered the man down and the man came before Jesus, the one that could heal him, that the Lord Jesus Christ looked at the men that brought him and thought, wow, these guys have a lot of faith. If your faith is strong, you'll bring others to Jesus Christ. When was the last time you brought somebody to Jesus Interesting, if you look at verse number 20, it says, And when he saw their faith, he said unto him, Man, thy sins are forgiven you. When he saw their faith, then he speaks to the man. So they're all full of faith. There was five men involved here, one on each side, and then the man in the middle is the one that needs help, and they lower him down, and, and Jesus commends them. He sees their faith. He actually acknowledges it, is it and, and records it so that we have it today to know that these men had faith. But then he looks at the other man and says, your sins are forgiven. Interesting, as we think about that, just for a moment, look at verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They're looking at him. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And Jesus Christ is the only hope for your situation. You can scheme all you want to. You can plan all you want to. But God is in charge. Amen? I think it's interesting as we look at God today with a bigger view and realize that God wants to work in your life and he just might interrupt your life to do so. But we're not talking about that quite yet. 
Because verse 22 says that when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he was looking at the Pharisees and the ones that thought that they were spiritual and the ones that didn't quite get it. And be easy on these guys, because everything to this point was all about the law of Moses. And they're trying the best they can to follow the law of Moses. They're not getting it quite yet that Jesus Christ is the answer to even the law of Moses. That Jesus Christ would be greater than this law. He would talk about how that Jesus Christ and his spirit living in humans in this dispensation that he would write the law of Moses on the hearts of men so they would know where they've erred. That's why it's healthy to read through Leviticus and not skip it when you're reading your Bible all the way through. But it says here in verse number 22, when Jesus perceived their hearts, he answered and said unto them, what reason you in your hearts? Whether well, it's easy to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to rise up and walk. Now, what, what's fascinating about this story is that Jesus Christ forgives before he heals. A lot of us want to be healed spiritually. Forgiveness comes first. That's priority in your life. Directly go to God and say, forgive me where I've messed up. And you have been going on for years and years, spiritually laying in that cot, waiting for somebody to take you to Jesus. And when they do, Jesus says, your, your sins, which are many, have forgiven you. It's incredible. It's interesting as we look at this because we're talking about Jesus perceiving their thoughts. And then he corrects them to say, is it easier for me to forgive sins or to, to rise up and walk? It says, but you, you may know that the Son of Man hath power upon the earth to forgive sins. And he said unto the sick of the palsy, I say unto you, rise and take up thy couch and go into thine house. Go home. I mean, he probably couldn't get out of that house fast enough. I mean, think about that. His sins are completely forgiven and now he can run around. Wow, what Jesus can do, he can free you. He can free you to the bondage that has held you to that cot for so many years spiritually. Jesus is the answer he always has been, and he's been trying to reveal himself to you. But for some reason, you've been thinking, no, I can do this on my own. I I can go see other people. Remember, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor sitteth in the, what is it? Nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight will be in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Then he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf also shall not wither. So we're talking about, first of all, we're talking about separation. The second verse, we're talking about saturation. And the third verse, we're talking about then the solution, really, satisfaction. So in those three verses, and that's the way God works. You say, but, but I've been dealing with some really difficult things, and I had some really big plans, and all of a sudden, this happened to me. If I can just talk to you just for a few minutes now that I have your attention, a lot of times we go through life thinking that, that God is going to just let us do what we want to do. And you know what? You may have some really good moral plans. 
but it might not be what God has for you. As I was thinking this week about different circumstances in the Bible when this happened, I'm certain that Jonah had his life planned out and God had different plans. And I began to think about how wonderful it was that God was persistent with him and how that he thought, well, I'm going to go to Joppa instead of Nineveh. I'm going to scheme my own way out of things and get over here because this is what I think I need to do. Then God redirects him. And boy, did he redirect him. Interruption to his plans was God's opportunity. I thought about others. I think about the Apostle Paul as he was pretty much doing that which he thought was right. Did he have an interruption? Boy, did God reveal himself to Paul. What an eye-opener. You know, it affected Paul so bad, he was kind of had to be led around for a few days. You know? Wasn't, really, he wasn't himself, to be honest with you. And that was why he was encountered by God. Because he had to confront self. When God interrupts, we begin to soul search. I think of a person who has certain things planned and desires to do certain things, and all of a sudden they're interrupted by the word cancer. Carrie Schmidt wrote a book called Off Script, and how that's for some reason he pretty much had his life written out before God, and he thought, this is where I'm going to be, and I'm, I'm going to work as kind of the programs guy at Lancaster Baptist Church the rest of my life, and then he wrote Off Script because he got cancer. Now he pastors on the East Coast because God had another plan. And unless we become uncomfortable through God's interruptions, we're probably going to stay comfortable in a situation that may not be where God wants us to be. I thought about how that sometimes we want to say, pardon the interruption, but God wants to work out his purpose. Interruptions that allow God to work many times. The interruptions really can lead to an encounter with God. Interruptions can lead to an experience with God that God will actually then reveal his purpose to you. So you're asking yourself in your interruption, what is the purpose of all of this? You may ask yourself, what is, what is the purpose that God is allowing this to happen within my life? And I think that's, that's a proper thought. That when God allows things to happen and your plans are all set, and you're thinking this is the way it's going to be, and all of a sudden, boom, the rock falls, and you say, this is not going to happen now. For some reason, that door has been shut. And sometimes we get so full of guilt and so full of depression and despair that we don't ever finish what God is trying to do. If we're not careful, we can shy back and stay home and blame everything on covid not trying to be mean, but we could, couldn't we? Did God send us an interruption a year ago this week? Now, wait a minute. He, he interrupted, 
his particular plan, if you would, with what we call the church age. That's what we're in right now, the parentheses, because he's got these 70 books, books in Daniel, these 70, 70 uh, weeks in Daniel. And when we look at those 70 weeks, we say, wow, that's the fulfillment of God. He's got this wonderful image that he explains to us that these are periods of times and we're, we're all locked into this. And then we're thinking, wait a minute now. How does the church age fit, fit into all of this? Well, it's God's interruption yes. to, his own, to his own plan. You think that God just all of a sudden interrupted for any reason at all? No, he interrupted for your cause, yes. on your behalf. People think interruptions are God actually ruling to the place where he's ruling over you so strong he's trying to hurt you. No, his interruptions are to help you. His interruptions are to open your eyes to you as an individual and the way that you are and the way you respond to things and the way that you act. God is trying to change all of that through his interruptions. I praise God for his interruption or the parentheses of the church age because now he's showing us that it's the gospel plan is given to us. And we understand that it's by grace. We call it the dispensation of grace. This is the this is the preaching time. This is still, and I, and I really believe this, dear friends, that if we don't get out there with the gospel, things are going to get a whole lot worse. It is, gospel's the answer, but we can't just shy back, dear friend. If God is causing this interruption that we have to shut down the churches, we don't have to, but our response to it says that we have to have everything virtual or we, we got to separate and we can't, we can't do this or we can't do that then what are we going to do and what is God trying to show us? Maybe perhaps we need to adjust some things that we weren't doing them quite right. I think it's important for us not only to understand his plan corporately, if you would, but to understand his plan personally for your life. That God has allowed a worldwide response to something that has always been there. The coronavirus, if you study it, it's always been there. It's cold-like symptoms. But for some reason, it got a little bit worse. And he allowed it to get worse. Where it would take people and they would actually get it into their lungs. And it's a really high-class pneumonia, if you would, that'll take people sometimes to their grave. And by the way, you can't control that. You can wear 10 masks, and you know, if God wants you to get coronavirus, you get it. If he wants to allow that to happen. You can go ahead and separate yourself, not talk to anybody, stay home, watch everything on TV, whatever. You can do all of that. But if God wants you to get coronavirus, you're going to get it. Amen. And if he wants to protect you in it, why not give him an opportunity to do that? I think it's important for us to remember that through this difficult time of a worldwide pandemic, they call it, that people are making it for their own benefit rather than saying, what is God trying to show us? You know, how can I adjust things in my own life personally? Instead of adjusting things to make us more comfortable, I think we ought to realize to say, this is an opportunity for me to be able to get the gospel in a different way. Out so that people can hear the truth. People are, are, they're just dying to get talked to. Let me just say this about the coronavirus also. There's a man that wanted to get prevented from the COVID up here. 
and he decided to move to Tennessee, David Burns. Just a super sweet man, a godly man. Him and I had stuff in common. We're both a little bit different. We both were in the Marines. And David became a really good friend. He gave me things, pictures and so on. He gave you some things. We would meet on Tuesdays for breakfast, and then for a period of time, he would come to the Bible Institute, and Ruth brought him, helped him with some of the the work and so on. But he decided to go to Tennessee last November or so, October, somewhere in there. He decided, I'm going to go down there. I'm going to skip the winter. I don't want to be up here and inside. The COVID's here. He goes down in about the middle of December. He died in January, but he... It was December 12th. He, he got COVID. Okay? But he passed away. The, was the 23rd of January? Yeah. He's in heaven now. But he was making these plans to kind of protect himself from the COVID. But God says, you know, I'm going to take you out of love anyway, David. He loved him so much. Yeah, I'm going to come get you and take you home. He's with the Lord. He wouldn't want to come back. Sometimes we have our own plans and we think, I'm going to do this and this so that this won't happen. (laughs) You think you're in charge? I mean, what's up with that? God's in charge ultimately. He is the ruler of everything. In his sovereignty and his ability to, to, to... to create things that will happen in your own life personally, but sometimes we we stunt that back because we've got our own plans and we're going to stick with them. But God may have something completely different in mind. Think about this. I want us to know a few things that will help us in in how are we we to respond to this unplanned event that happens in our life. I go back to really understanding how did Jesus respond to him. You know, Jesus could have said, guys, let me tell you what, I'd appreciate it if you guys would just go around and use the door. Who's doing this? I'm trying to have a meeting. I mean, what happened right now if all of a sudden the roof started coming in, right? I mean, I'm not Jesus. I'm not referring to that at all. So that's kind of a bad illustration. So let me back up. Jesus is inside looking up and they're starting to tear the roof off to lower a guy in. And he's like, you think he would say something like to the effect... I'm not able to do what I was coming here to do because of this interruption. Honestly, that's the way way most of us would think. Jesus didn't think that way. He said, this is a great opportunity for me to reveal to a bunch of stubborn people who I really am. The Pharisees were all there, and he knew it. They didn't really get along too well. He called them things that he shouldn't have called them, we had a president like that recently, a president that used words for people. Remember that? It's not too long ago the president was using names to call people names and all that, and he did that. But Jesus was dealing with people on a level and said, look, you don't really know who I am. But this is a great opportunity. I really think that the Lord Jesus looked at the interruption saying, wow, thank you, Father, for moving those men to bring him here for such a time as this so I can show the Pharisees and those others that were in the home that I am the one in charge and I forgive your sins. 
Is it easier for me to say forgive their sins or to get up? Okay, I'll do that. Take up your bed and walk. He's teaching them. The next time that you feel like you're being interrupted by something, maybe we would say to ourselves, God, whatever reason this is happening, teach me what you're trying to teach me. But what's interesting in this story is that there's a desire here to bring God glory. And isn't that really the cause of the interruptions in our life? Look at the verse, if you would. It's the last verse of this particular story. You may have your Bible marked out so that verse 26, one we read together, but and they were all amazed, and they, they did what? They glorified God. It's, it's kind of like, who sinned, this man or his mom and dad? Neither one, but that my Father in heaven will be glorified. And when we have interruptions to our plans, America, you're not king. Jesus is king. And his kingdom is far greater than America. And I'll tell you what, some of these politicians with their arrogance saying that they're going to save America, they can't save America. Only Jesus Christ can save America. And Jesus Christ can save your life. And maybe you've come real close to God recently, but you haven't crossed over and said, okay, Lord, here's everything. Here's my whole heart. This interruption has caused all kinds of issues, but I see now that you're actually working with my heart so that I would actually be sensitive enough to admit that I was going in the wrong way. My plans weren't the best thing that happens or the greatest thing that could happen. I go back to my own life personally, and you can think of different circumstances in your life where there was these interruptions in your life where God allowed these things to happen. But Jesus didn't get angry. He didn't get upset. He didn't get discouraged. He used the opportunity to heal and to reveal. And so... If we zero it down to our own personal life, when God enters in and changes things through the doctor's reports or through the death of a loved one or through notes from the IRS or from some other difficulty that you're going through that involves maybe your job or whatever, and this horrible thing comes into your life, I really believe that if we respond in a biblical way consistently, God's going to use that particular situation to bring himself glory, and you can be involved in that personally, where he's touching you. So maybe, maybe the interruptions in your life was for somebody else and not you. Maybe it was for others that that didn't work out the best for you. 
because God had somebody else in mind that he was trying to help. He was trying to, 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 to prepare you to help them, but he had to take you this route, and it was, it was different than what you had thought, and, and your reasoning is far, you know, he's down here, and God's reasoning is up here because our thoughts are not like his thoughts, and our ways are not like his ways. And so we got to go down here and submit ourselves and, and really have a small opinion of our plans because, you know, we say, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise, I'll be here tonight, and so on. But some of that's really true, but maybe God has another plan for us. And not to be able to be involved with somebody else or, or go in a direction that God doesn't want us to go because it'll affect some other person. And so we've got to say, Lord, this is really, you say, you know, I, I think it's messing me up and it's going to mess everything up for everybody else. No, it's not. It's exactly what he wanted to use to help others. It wasn't so important anymore, the meeting that Jesus was having. Because it wasn't totally about Jesus. It was about those that were listening to him. God used that to be able to bring others to himself. Wow. Interruptions. When we come to the place of really dealing with interruptions the right way, we will come to the place of knowing that God has a plan and he wants to use your situation for others. Your interruptions are God's opportunities. Your interruptions in life is God's opportunity to change your plans to fit his purpose for your life. You'll say, I never expected that to happen, and God says, I know. That's the problem. That was not what I planned, God. He said, I know. I don't know. I think a lot of times when the Lord seems to change my sermon, I think it's more for me than it is for you. The other day I was in the office and I told the story, I think Wednesday night, he was so nice in there. The nicer it gets outside, my office isn't so nice. And I'm doing a lot of studying lately. And you're going to see the effects of that tonight if you come back. But let me tell you something. I really wanted to take a walk. And so rather than opening the windows, I got up from my desk, and I, I, I don't know if I've told Janet or not, but I, I just, I'm going to go for a walk. And so I walked out here, and I'm walking pretty quick. And I'm thinking I'm pretty good as long as I don't lean forward too much. My back will be fine. So I'm walking down the road, and I turned down the road, and all of a sudden there was this woman with a dog and uh, two little girls holding hands. I'm thinking to myself, I hope they stay to their side. I don't need any dog interruptions. I'm going for a walk. Dogs sometimes don't even realize that you don't like them. Sometimes he'll say, say, that dog knows if you don't like him, that's a bunch of garbage. (laughs) They don't have a clue. All they want is food. They slobber a lot. So I take a little walk, and I see this dog and these two little girls holding hands, and this woman walking toward me, I'm thinking, I hope they stay to their side, and they did. It was a miracle. They stayed way over to the left, and I went right by them. And I'm like walking along. I saw a glove. And someone had, you know, it melted. They must have lost it when they were shoveling or something. And I thought, I'll pick it up and knock on the door. No, no, just keep going. I'm going to talk with God. I'm going to walk with God here. I got all the way around the building, 
all the way around the block, all the way around this huge, huge block, and I came right back to the... And guess who were right out here in the front of our church? The dog and the two little girls in the fight. And this time, the dog had no mercy. I think he smelt my dog on me. God may have said, I want you to... So now I'm thinking, okay, now I've got to pet the dog. Nice dog. Let me talk about my dogs a little bit. You know, We have two dogs, and I told them the kind they are, you know. And all of a sudden, God began to say, this interruption is my opportunity for you to tell this lady about Jesus Christ. And I'm getting it. I'm going, oh, okay. Okay. I said, how has COVID affected you? And she began to tell me how it affected their children. And she just was wanting someone to talk to. And I talked to her for about 20 minutes. And then I said, let me ask you a question. I pastored that church right over there across the street. Been there for 23 years. Do you get a chance to go to church? And she said, no. We're Catholic. And so I said, you know the difference between a Catholic and a Baptist? I said, the Catholics actually say that you have to be baptized as a baby in order to be saved. We believe what the Bible teaches, that you must first come to Jesus, and then you're baptized after that. It's pretty simple. She was plugged in, but the light bulb wasn't on. And all of a sudden, she was like, oh, yeah. I said, have you ever had an opportunity to come to the Lord Jesus Christ? And I took a little track. I don't know which one it was. I think it was the red one that had a picture of me in there from 25 years ago or whatever. And I gave it to her, and I said, this will show you from the scriptures how you could have a relationship with God. Back to my office. Not to force her to pray. I want the Spirit of God to work in her heart that she genuinely would be moved by the Spirit of God to say, I've been religious my whole life, and now I can have a relationship with God. And I can trust Jesus Christ personally. You see, sometimes we got it all planned out. I remember one time when I was just on a flight going out to California someplace, and I'm looking at people as they're coming in, and I'm thinking, there's one seat here, and I don't know who that person is it's going to be. I'm thinking, Lord, give me a nice person. Give me a really clean person. Give me a person that keep to their side. I remember sitting in the plane, and all of a sudden, that's actually two seats. And all of a sudden, these two gay men came in. They were holding hands. And they came right there. I'm like, yep, they're right here. And they sat next to me. Now, you go ahead and laugh at that. If it happens to you, how are you going to respond? Are you going to love them? Now, I had another man that had his mouth open the whole trip. Sleeping. <sighs> so I had to scoot over to the other guys a little bit closer. And you're on a plane thinking, oh, I just have 17 more hours on this flight with these guys. But you think sometimes your plans are all set. I'm just going to get cozy in this chair. I'm going to put on the cathedrals and read some scripture. And nope, you're going to talk to some men who need Jesus Christ. And he started thinking, how can I say what I need to say kindly enough and sow the seed in the hearts of these men? You see, sometimes God's interruptions are completely different. They're not interruptions. They're opportunities for us to say, okay, God, I see what you're doing. I'm going to set my plans aside. And I'm going to say, yes, Lord, yes. Have your will and have your way.
And I'll trust you and obey. And when your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart, I'll agree. My answer will be yes. Lord, yes. Have you had an interruption lately? We have as a nation. Why is it happening? What's the purpose behind it? To bring the King of Kings glory. Amen. So we've got to respond in a way that will bring him glory. Amen. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. I want to encourage you that maybe the Spirit of God has been working in your heart and, and you know that there's a step that you still have not taken and that's to open your heart and receive Jesus. Yeah, you have an intellectual understanding, but you've never said, yes, Jesus, come into my life and save me. And maybe today would be the day that you would say yes to him and open the door. Is there someone here this morning who would say, Pastor Hollow, would you please pray for me? Because I'm not confident of my salvation. I'm not sure I'm saved, but I'd like to know. Would you pray for me? No one's looking around. Just lift your hand and put it back down again. Say, pray for me, Pastor. I'm not sure. Is there anyone like that? Lift up your hand and put it back down again. Anyone? Praise the Lord. Anyone else? I'm not sure. And dear Christian, maybe perhaps you've been looking at things the wrong way. Now you say, okay, God, you got me where you want me now. This is all from your plan. Now I accept it. Yes, Lord. Maybe there's somebody here to say, Pastor, would you please pray for me? That's the situation I'm going through. And would you pray for me? Anyone like that? Lift up your hand and put it back down again. Anyone? Just quickly. God is working in your heart to bring you to where he wants you to be. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you just stand to your feet, no one looking around this morning. Let's have a word of prayer. And as soon as we're done praying, the invitation will begin. If you need to come, you come. Whether it's baptism, church membership, maybe it's just to come and pray. This is an old-fashioned altar. He's waiting for you to yield to him. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.